Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show seeks to unravel the dynamic world of research at the university by discussing the significance to and benefits of research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio 101.9 FM, Campus and Community Queen's Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. My guest today is Alana Butler. Alana Butler is a new assistant professor in the University of Education at Queen's. Her area of research is at-risk children and their families in elementary and secondary school settings, as well as equity, diversity, and inclusion policies and practices at all levels of education. Her doctoral research focused on the experiences of black students in Canadian and American higher education, and she has well over a decade of teaching experience in many different settings. Hi, Alana. Hi, Barry. Thank you for welcoming, uh, for inviting me to the show. Oh, pleasure. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for uh, making time out of your busy schedule. So l- let's dive right in. Um, I mentioned at risk in your uh, introduction, and I'm not sure if my understanding of at risk matches yours. Maybe you can share with our listeners what ask at risk means for you. I think that's a great question. Uh, that's something that when I was actually interviewing for the position, I uh, articulated that in the interview. Now, the definition, there's not like one standard definition of at risk, um, but my understanding based on sort of an amalgamation of literature that I've read, it's a combination of, um, basically it has to do with mental health, overall well-being, um, uh, risk of um, failure, uh, in whether that be in an academic sense, uh, a social sense, um, and basically an individual who is not able to achieve their goals. Now, there's one researcher named Michael Rutter who talks about pathways, and I like to conceptualize it as being at risk it means that you're at risk at sort of heading down that negative pathway. So if we think of life as pathways, and we think of like positive pathways, we might think of... Um, completing high school, completing university and obtaining a degree or move progressing to a profession, a negative pathway would be none of those things. So an individual who maybe is, um, you know, they're unable to engage with like the, the workforce or education, and they lead to a negative life pathway that can lead them into, uh, in some cases, uh, the criminal justice system at the extreme end of negative at risk. Other at-risk factors, which are extremely, you know, uh, negative for individuals, might be uh, mental health. So that's another factor that we want to consider in at-risk is uh, individuals may be at risk for suicide, depression, all the, those things, that, which again lead to these are kind of negative uh, life pathways. So when we look at risk, we want to look at the combination of risk and protective factors. Gotcha. So so bring it into the mm-hmm. elementary and secondary school context for uh-huh. me. Absolutely. So at the elementary level, uh, one major area that we think of as being at risk, and we know uh, research shows uh, places children at risk is socioeconomic status. Uh, so there is... Uh, 
conclusive research both in Canada and the United States that children who are at the lowest end of socioeconomic status have these extreme risk factors. So they're at high risk of academic failure, um, you know, being involved in the criminal justice system, uh, you know, substance abuse issues. Um, so generally, again, once again, if we think of a pathway, going along a negative uh, pathway, uh, because they're often in communities maybe where there isn't um, a lot of structural support uh, for them. So one of the things with risk that we want, that I complicated a bit in the way that I teach and the way that I'm approaching my research, is to look at it as a combination of structural factors and also sociocultural factors. So there are factors that are embedded in communities that place individuals at risk, but then there are also the, like, let's not let the structure off the hook, right? So as a society, we have um, social inequality based on economic uh, income. And so income inequality at a structural level, uh, you know, places many, many um, individuals at risk. And so uh, coming from the Toronto context, um, that's where I'm from, and I, I grew up there, they actually have um, identified, like the city of Toronto has identified certain neighborhoods as, as what they call priority neighborhoods uh, in terms of a school sort of intervention for elementary level. Uh, and these schools are schools where they've deemed that there's a high percentage of those children, um, both at the elementary and secondary who are at risk for school failure uh, due to the, uh, you know, poverty in, in a particular area. So anytime you have like concentrations of poverty, there's always like that risk. So and now the funny thing about risk, I sometimes surprise my students by sharing research that shows um, there's also at-risk wealthy. Um, so at-risk doesn't necessarily mean low socioeconomic status, but at-risk wealthy means that in individuals who are at the extreme other end can be at risk for depression and anxiety or substance abuse uh, if they have uh, particular parental environments that really don't support them. So um, we also want to complicate that um, by looking at, you know, how different social classes may experience risk. But the big difference with um, high socioeconomic status is that those individuals have a lot of resources at their disposal that actually prevent them from ending up in these like negative life pathways like prison, um, you know, ending up in, in severe, like they're typically able to get a lot of help uh, because their parents may have resources to get them counseling services and, and um, uh, you know, they may have legal means to actually help them. So they, they the whereas a low income, really, they, they face more of the negative consequences simply because they have families that really can't provide them that much support. Um, so that's something too that it's interesting to kind of note when we think of risk in, in a broad sense. I want to put what you're saying about sort of the sociology of at-risk students into a bit of a public policy context. Yeah. So you mentioned designated schools in, the, in Toronto. Yeah. I don't know if we have that here in Kingston. But what can the municipal government do or what can the local school board do or what can local schools do like in, what can institutions do mm-hmm. to address some of these inequities yeah i think this is one of the a key question for um education i always say to students i think this is one of the key questions in academia that you want to think about is the fact that overall the research is saying if you are low ses you are uh, definitely at higher risk of uh dropping out um that you're higher risk of failing academically that there's a whole range of things that come with that that um, that lead to negative outcomes based on uh, s- social structures uh, status. Uh, so one of the things too that I, I, I address uh, we talk about in the at-risk voci here 
um, here at Queen's University in the Faculty of Ed, we talk about uh, interventions. Um, I did want to also add that in North Kingston, there's actually um, a high degree of low socioeconomic status. And prior to um, taking up this position, I did some research and I did find that, um, especially in the North Kingston area, there's actually higher percentage of low income families than the national, than the provincial average, actually, which is a surprising statistic I found out just in preparing for the position. Um, and so my students who've come back from practicum, they've talked, they've spoken to me about various things that they've noticed um, in the schools at no- in North Kingston uh, related to socioeconomic status. So in terms of public policy for elementary and secondary, we need um, a lot of support for low socioeconomic status uh, students. And so this is many ways. So academic support is definitely needed. Uh, additional counseling, support, um, tutoring, all those sorts of things that, um, you know, after school tutoring programs, these are kind of things that some of the priority schools in Toronto have done. The other thing that doesn't get mentioned as much, which is really important, is nutrition. So a lot of low socioeconomic status in at-risk children, what is compounding and making cumulative risk for them is nutrition. And we know that nutrition Nutrition leads to uh, better brain function, cognitive development. There's a whole range of things that actually go along with nutrition. So for these schools, one of the major challenges is is, is um, nutrition, which I think is a great public policy initiative that should be implemented. Um, the, I talked to my students a little bit about the, the, the gaps. And coming from Toronto and working in priority schools, I noticed that there were gaps sometimes in breakfast programs where some of them would only run one hour a day. So they'd run like from seven to eight. So sometimes the students, or or depending on the age of the child, sometimes they wouldn't be there by 8 o'clock. So if, if they're not there by 8 o'clock, sometimes all the food's gone or it's finished. So um, some schools, what they've done is they have all day. So the breakfast program doesn't end at breakfast time. It actually goes all day where they have fresh fruits and vegetables uh, for them, um, you know, healthy snacks that they can get throughout the day is a really important thing. Um, it's not uncommon to be teaching in a low-income school and have children say, I'm hungry, miss, like I can't. So obviously you can't concentrate if you're hungry. Many of us probably know what we feel like when we when we're hungry and so concentration is just not something that we can do and just going back to even research uh you know we know from uh intro psychology maslow's hierarchy of needs we you know food and safety are some key things to 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 put in place before we can even think about other things so i say to my students all the time i said you know if you're hungry think about how you feel when you're hungry and if you're hungry um how difficult it might be to concentrate and achieve your learning goals and so this is something that overall has been true uh, that it's happened that um Nutrition is a key aspect. So nutrition, providing additional support in terms of resource support. Um, so there's a lot of research that says, for instance, low socioeconomic status students um, and children, to, like whether or elementary or secondary, they have fewer educational resources at home. So um, providing things like books. I know some low-income communities, there's one I'm involved with in Scarborough, uh, in a borough of Toronto, where the, every year they do a literacy drive where they get thousands of books, uh, donated children's books for low-income children, and the families are able to come a certain day and like take five or six books home, right? Which is a big thing. So some families, they can't afford the additional book money for books and things like that. Um, so that's really important. So it, it, the research does show that like low-income homes de- have low, uh, fewer educational resources in the home. So you can imagine many middle-class houses, they, the homes they may have, um, libraries, they may have a lot, like a great deal of resources, whereas low-income may not have that. So book drives are really important. Um, academic support is also key. 
um, providing tutoring uh, is important. Another public policy intervention that I really wanted to mention was teacher expectation. And this is why I'm very passionate about teacher education, um, because I feel like teachers can really play a role in supporting um, at-risk children. Um, having I myself benefited from teachers who very early on uh, really supported my learning by providing me with additional books. And like they would give me, like even though they 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 would have um the i think the library in my school i think we were limited to how many books we could sign out at a time i think something and i remember having a, a great teacher who knew that i loved reading and would actually give me extra books from her own personal connection collection so those are kinds of things that i think are really nice if teachers can support uh children uh by having high expectations for them uh there's also research that indicates um that teachers tend to have um, low uh, expectations for um, low socioeconomic status students. Uh, my students who even come from practicum here in Kingston, some of them have said that they kind of notice that the teachers may not have uh, expectations. Uh, so I think it's really important for teachers to maintain high expectations for all students. And that's why I think teacher education is, is, is such an important piece uh, to communicate that to teachers that regardless of socioeconomic status, having high expectations for for students actually shapes their their path in many ways. Just knowing that a teacher, you know, cares about you and wants you to succeed is very important. That's a terrific summary and a good note to end that segment. My guest in this episode is Dr. Alana Butler, professor and researcher in the Queen's Department of Education. One of the goals for Blind Date with Knowledge is to demystify scholarly research and to personalize researchers. As a way of making that goal real for us, I ask every guest on the show to tell us a joke, recite a short poem or ins- inspirational quotation, or reference a song related to the research or the researcher's motivation. So, Alana, back to you. <laughs> um, that was a kind of an interesting one. I, what I did was I looked at my personal con- uh, collection of MP3s and I thought, wh- which one actually fits? And I felt like there is um, there is a young UK rapper and his name is Jay Huss, and I'm not sure if the pronunciation's right. But his whole story is of being an at-risk youth. Like, he's actually the son of a single mom, and they grew up in a low-income London suburb, and then he actually would rap about those experiences. Um, So he has a song called um, Spirit, which is a really nice kind of uplifting piece, and the reason why I was drawn to it was because it really, uh, the lyrics talk about, um, even though we grew up poor, you know, we never lost spirit, and he talks about resilience, and I think that's um, one of the things that we address when we look at at-risk youth and the whole um, the whole uh, complicated area around at-risk and, and resilience uh, is the importance of, of fostering that. So for teachers, one of the challenges for teachers is how do you foster resilience in um, children who, who don't have those resources to kind of get motivate them to continue on and, and like I mentioned, to a, pos- a more positive life pathway than, in, than a negative one. So that's why that song kind of appeals to me. So what we're going to do is we're going to put up the link to their video in the uh, uh, narrative part of the promotion for this uh, particular episode so our listeners can uh, check it out and see some uh, terrific visuals as well. As well. Uh, what's the title of the uh, song? Do you it's just called Spirit. It's just called mm-hmm. Spirit. Terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, that's, that's terrific. Uh, uh, thank you, Alana. Uh, my guest in this episode of Blind Date with Knowledge has been Dr. Alana Butler, professor and researcher in the Queen's Department of Education. If you have a question about anything related to research that you'd like discussed by our guests, or if you have comments about today's conversation with Alana Butler, please email me, Barry Kaplan, at bdwk at cfrc.ca. 
Thank you very much for tuning in. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.